you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. I want to preach from the subject, the resurrection changed it all. Praise God. I want you to relax and have a good time because you're going to learn something significant today. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, Beloved, the resurrection changed it all. Oh, look at your other neighbor and say, Neighbor, the resurrection changed it all. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Uh, During that time, this was a day of gross darkness filled the whole land of Palestine. Religious lethargy permeated the leadership. Uh, The smell of death and sickness charged the air as hope was slipping through the large crevices of weakness, despair, and depravity. Only a select few were able to even hear the master's powerful message and his compassionate touch. You see, Jesus could only be at one place at one time, but the resurrection changed all of that. Jesus could only heal in one place at one time, but the resurrection changed all of that. Jesus could only preach in one place at one time, but the resurrection changed all of that. Jesus could only deliver his word in one place and at one time, but the resurrection changed all of that. Man's only hope to be delivered from death, hell, and the grave couldn't have even been imagined, but the resurrection changed all of that. This day in history, over 2,000 years ago, this was a day like no other day. Let me tell you why. This was a day when darkness was dissipated by the light. This was a day when ignorance was eradicated by revelation. This was the the day when deficiency was destroyed by abundance. This was a day when fear was flattened by faith. This was a day when confusion was crushed by understanding. This was a day when turmoil was transformed into peace. Oh, yes, oh, yes, the resurrection changed everything. But this day allowed sinners to be converted into saints. This day allowed pimps to be converted into prophets. This day allowed thieves to be converted into theologians. This day allowed murderers to be converted into martyrs. This day allowed drug dealers to be converted into deacons. And oh, yes, this day allowed alcoholics to be converted into apostles. Come on, somebody. This was a day like no other day. And when he looked at me and he looked at you and he said, he has a better plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And he knew what we was going to do. He knew how we was going to do it. He knew when we was going to do it and with whom we was going to do it with. And he still looked down and said, I still love you. This day was a day like no other day for Romans 5 and 8 said God proved his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me tell you something. And when you were slipping into sin and and doing everything that you wanted to do that your body desired, God says, I'm still going to die for you even though I know what you did. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about this morning. Say the resurrection changed it all. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. The resurrection changed Everything Jesus said that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. But three days later, he will rise again. See, there is no doubt that Jesus is God because Jesus said, no man can take my life. He said, no man can take my life. He said, I lay it down. 
He said, if I lay it down, I can take it up again. See, only God can do that. See, can't no man do that. You can sit here like you're bad, like you the man. You ain't the man. There's only one the man. The Bible says there's one man between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So you ain't the man. You ain't the woke man. No, you, you can sit here all day long and say, yeah, yeah, I can give my life and I can take it up again. That would truly be a lie. But God cannot lie. Numbers 23. God cannot lie. If he said, I'll lay my life down and I'll pick it up again, God cannot lie. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. That's why Jesus was not just a prophet. Jesus is God. And he's not dead. He's surely alive. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 2, I read to you, after two days, he will revive us. And in the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. And it goes on to say, so let us strive to know the Lord. There's where the key is. He wants to revive us, but we must know him. So I came to tell somebody this morning is that God is here to resurrect some things in your life. I came to tell somebody that your business is about to be resurrected. Your ministry is about to be resurrected. Your family is about to be resurrected. Your faith is about to resurrect, be resurrected. Your healing is about to be resurrected. Your ministry is about to be resurrected. Your finances are about to be resurrected. Your dreams are about to be resurrected. The, the calling on your life is about to be resurrected. There are some things that have died in our lives, but you got the resurrected power of Jesus to say, I know it might be dead, but it's not going to stay dead. God is going to resurrect the dead things in my life so I can go out and do exploits in his name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The resurrection changed it all. Ah, the enemy tried to crucify you, but the Lord raised you up. Slap somebody high five and tell them he raised me. Come on, tell him, tell him, tell him he raised me. He raised me. He raised me. The devil took his best shot, but he raised me. Destroyed my finances, but he raised me. He attacked my marriage, but he raised me. He attacked my body, but he raised me. I was diagnosed with cancer, but he raised me. They said I had lupus. But he raised me. They said you had diabetes. But he raised you. See, the enemy said he was going to take your dreams. But God said, I'll raise your dreams. The enemy said that you're no good. But God said, I'll raise you up. The enemy says you have no purpose. But God said, I'll raise you up. The enemy said you are nothing and a nobody. But God said, I'll raise you up. The enemy says, stop thinking that you're going to do great things for God. But God said, I'll raise you. The enemy even said the truth about you. But, the, but God said, I'll raise you up. See, it's one thing when somebody lies on you. But it's quite a different thing when somebody tells the truth. See, the Bible said that when Paul was in Militar and that serpent latched on to his hand, the Bible said no doubt this man was a murderer because he has escaped the storm, but he won't escape the serpent. And Paul looked at him and shook the snake off into the fire, and they was waiting for him to fall dead suddenly. But after they watched him for a great while, 
they changed their minds and thought he was a god. Good God Almighty. See, the enemy is always wanting to lash on to you. God says, shake it off into the fire. He said, in other words, when the demons come, put some fire on him. See, but if you dead and dry in your prayer life, you can't put, mm -mm. See, if your worship is dead and dry, you can't put no fire. You got a dead and dry pastor, you can't put no fire. You come to a dead and dry church, you can't put no fire. Uh-huh. You got you to put some fire on somebody. Some of these demons are going to walk right up in the church. Latch it on the Christians. You, you bring them in the church like you got a backpack. But when you get into the atmosphere and the anointing of God, that demon has got to go. Come on, somebody say he's got to go. See, when you got the presence of God around, Jesus just stepped foot into the land of the gatherings, and the demon was like, Jesus, hold on. Why are you here? See, that's your life. That's the way demons ought to be doing you right now because you are full of God. The Bible says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when you step foot into a place, the demons should be, oh, hold on now. What are you doing here right now? Are you coming to rebuke me? Shut up and get out. Why are we so afraid? Oh, the devil. Oh, Lord, the devil. Why are you so afraid of the devil? He's defeated. See, if you understand resurrection power, then you will know that the devil has no power. At the resurrection, he was stripped. Come on, somebody. You need to start acting like he was stripped. See, the way you start acting like it, you stop hyping him up. You stop hyping up the devil. Start hyping up the name of Jesus. Stop hyping up your problems and hype up the name of Jesus. Oh, I can't believe I'm not in a good relationship. Well, hype up the name of Jesus. I can't believe my finances are jacked up. Well, hype up the name of Jesus. I can't believe I'm going through all this stuff on my job. Well, start hyping up the name of Jesus. I can't believe I got this old broke down car. But start hyping up the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Don't nobody want to hype him up today. They wait on the praise team and the pastor to get you hyped up. They're not here to be your cheerleader. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm not here to be your cheerleader either. You got to get hyped up on your own. You got to get good and full. Somebody said good and full. <laughs> See, that's how we say it in Alabama, good and full. We used to just take syllables out of words and just, they're just good. And, it was just too, too wordy to say stuff. We would just break stuff down, fixing two. <laughs> uh, fixing two what? Sandwiches? It's just too wordy. We just break things down. Come on, come on, fitna. I'm fitting to do something. Amen. Just too wordy, too wordy. All Jesus said was, it is finished. He didn't have to use a whole lot of words for the enemy. He said, it is finished. Somebody say, it is finished. You got to believe in your heart that the resurrection changed it all. I'm excited that Jesus was born. I am. I'm, I'm really excited that he was born. I, I'm really excited that he was born of a virgin, just like the book of Isaiah said that he would be born. And I'm real excited that he lived a sinless life. I'm very excited about that. I'm real excited that he fulfilled 200-something prophecies when he was born and then at the cross when he, got, when he died. So I'm real excited that he told the truth about his, his death. But you know, he died and he laid in a tomb for three days. But let me tell you what I'm most excited about, that he is no longer in the tomb. That's what I'm excited about. 
I'm glad that Jesus died for me. I'm glad that he carried my sins and, and my sorrows on the cross of Calvary. Or if you want to get real technical, he was on Golgotha's hill, praise God. And so I'm glad that he did all of that. But let me tell you what I'm most excited about is that he didn't stay in the tomb, that on the third day he was resurrected with all power. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. He said, no man can take my life. I lay it down. If I lay it down, I'll take it up again. They thought it was over, but it had just began. Oh, yeah, the resurrection changed everything. I'm glad that I'm no longer in my sins, that he took the time to look beneath all of my faults and still bless me. He know you better than you know yourself. And God still blesses us. And you don't have to perform for God. Before you even do anything, he already knows what you're getting ready to do. Because we're talking about God. We ain't talking about your grandmama, your granddad. We're talking about God. We're talking about the one that was on the bow of a ship one night and the storms were raging. And he stood up and said, peace. Be still. We're talking about God. We're not talking about your cousin, booking them, left eye, dead eye, or bright eye. We're talking about God. Somebody said we're talking about God. See, I'm talking about God, the one who came to the tomb of Lazarus, who laid there for four days. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And his blood started pumping and heat started pumping in his body. He stood up with resurrection power in his life. But the bad thing about Lazarus is he died again. For there were people that were resurrected in the Bible, but they all died again. But when Jesus rose, he will live forever. Amen. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about God. He's bad. He's awesome. From Genesis to Revelation, he's, he's amazing to me. He's so amazing. Man, I can't believe how amazing that he would take somebody like me and clean me up. I can't believe how amazing God is. And if you knew my life back then, none of y'all in here would want to know me. Thank God that my wife hung in there with me during that time. Amen. Praise God. The man that finds a wife finds a good thing. <laughs> most, people think, most people think that's where it stops. But it doesn't stop right there. It says, and obtains favor from the Lord. Mm. He favored you, Sam. <laughs> Praise God. When you, look at <laughs> when you look at this picture, how many crosses do you see? I want to talk about four life-changing crosses of the crucifixion. Four life-changing crosses of the crucifixion. In Mark's gospel, chapter 15, verse 27 and 28, the Bible says, With him they also crucified two robbers, one on the right and one on the left. So the scripture would be fulfilled, which says, And he was numbered with the transgressors and made intercession for them. You can find that in Isaiah chapter 53. So the first cross I want to talk about, saints of God, is the cross of rejection. The cross of rejection. See, the cross of rejection, I call the cross on the left side. Because when we read in the scriptures, the Bible was very clear that one thief was on the left and one thief was on the right. 
So the cross of rejection is the cross on the left because biblically you have no authority over anything that's to your left. According to the word of God, you have no authority over anything when it's on the left. Now listen to me very carefully. Matthew chapter 25, verse 33 says this. Jesus said, when he comes in his glory to separate the nations, he would separate the people like a shepherd separates goats and sheep. He put the goats on the left side. Anything to the left of you, you have no authority over. If you continue to read that passage, he put the goats on the left side, and the goats were condemned to hell. Because goats don't want any authority over them. Uh, if you drive around Indian Trail enough, and you see some of these goats in some of these farms around here, you'll notice that it's the goats that always have their tails in the air. Because goats typically like to show their tails. Now, let me get into this a little bit because you had covered it. When you come to church, you have to decide, am I a goat Christian? If you are a goat Christian, you know, most goat Christians don't like to do anything. Goat Christians are always bucking and biting. Uh, if you get too close to a goat, that might be your last time. <laughs> Some people in the church, they don't know how to talk to people. Uh, they want to throw a scripture at everything. Uh, they claim to be this, that, and the other, but they have no love, no support. You, you, get, you tend to get high-minded over position. But I came to tell you, as a goat Christian, you're on the wrong side. On the left side, you don't like people to tell you what you should be doing. On the left side, you don't want people to tell you about your lifestyle. On the left side, you don't want people to, to tell you that this is right and this is wrong. People on the left side tend to think that there is no God. People on the left side, they believe in this pseudo-religion that although we are Christians, I just feel I can do whatever I want to do. Uh, goat Christians, they might read a scripture or two, but they can't break down that scripture. Uh, goat Christians will tend to want to meet and greet you with the scripture, and I'm blessed going in, and I'm blessed coming out. But every time you see them, they always cry in the blues about not having enough. Oh, yeah. Goat Christians are those ones that always identify their relationship with Jesus with the church that they go to. Oh, yeah, I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter the, the church that you go to, but do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you understand the word of God? Are you operating in righteousness and holiness? Do you know the Holy Ghost? Are you full of the Holy Spirit? He put the goats on the left side. The thief on the cross on the left side, I call it the cross of rejection. Why? Because we read in the scriptures, this was the thief that railed on Jesus. And he began to insult Jesus on the cross. And he said, if you are the Christ, 
Get yourself down. But then he went on to say, and me. I'm going to tell you something, saints of God. It is amazing how many people will ridicule Jesus. How many people will say he's not God? How many people to say that he was just a prophet? But as soon as you get in trouble, you, you can be an atheist. Drive it in the car. Don't believe God at all, but let that car go into a tailspin. You ain't going to call on Buddha. You're not going to call on Muhammad, but you're going to say, Jesus. There's only one name given among men by which we can be saved. And that's the name of Jesus, because Muhammad can't save you. He can't, he can't keep you. Muhammad can't do nothing for you. Sun Yun Moon can't do nothing for you. Ron Hubbard can't do nothing for you. Elijah can't do nothing for you. Uh, 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 Elijah Muhammad, that is, can't do nothing for you. They are dead in the grave. Hopefully they got saved. If they didn't, they're in hell. This is why people use the name of Jesus in vain. Atheists will, will, will use that name in vain, and the Bible is clear. Don't use my name in vain. That's right. You never hear people make a mistake and they go, oh, Buddha. <laughs> oh, Muhammad. <laughs> Why you don't hear that name? Because those names have no power. They want you to, to, to rail against that name. They want you to make that name of no value. Why? Because if you keep using the name of Jesus in vain, when you really need to call on him, he's not coming. So I came to tell you, don't use that name unless you need it. Don't be coming around here talking about, oh, Jesus. You let somebody else do that. Because when you call on that name, you need something. Because there's power in that name. The, the, the song says power Power, wonder-working power in the name of Jesus. There's nothing like the name of Jesus. When you're in trouble, you can call on the name of Jesus. You may not be able to get a prayer through, but you can call on Jesus. When you're sick in your body and you can't get up out of the bed, you got the flu, you got something. When I was getting radiation and I couldn't move, I just called on Jesus. I said, Jesus, thank you for being in my life. I appreciate you being in my life. Regardless if you heal me or not, I still love you. I call on that name when I need it. Come on, somebody, give him a praise up in here. The cross of rejection. There was a second cross. I call the second cross the cross of repentance. We know that there was a cross on the left side, but there's also a cross on the right side. In the same scripture in Matthew chapter 25, verse 33, Jesus placed the goats on the left, but he placed the sheep on the right. See, the sheep were placed on the right because anything to the right of you, you have authority over. Hello, somebody. That's why in a marriage ceremony, when you see the two of them at the altar, the woman comes down and you face the pastor. The woman is on the left side. Why? You don't have any authority over that woman because you're not married yet. But there's usually somebody sitting over there that's called her father. Her father sits on this side because the woman is to his right side. 
Therefore, the Father has authority. Come on, somebody. So when you get married and the pastor say, you kiss, you turn. And when you turn, things switch. The authority switches. Now the woman is on the She's on the right side. Why? Because now the father has transferred authority to the, come on, somebody, to the husband. Therefore, husband, you should treat her like her daddy did. Oh, come on now. Come on now. Yeah, get it, Pam. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you can say, well, I didn't have a daddy, then you can be one. I never, I don't know what a husband is. You can learn about it. That's right. I don't know what to do. The Bible tells you what to do and what not to do. And, and beside that, you can get around some good godly men that'll show you how to be a man of God. Come on, somebody. And so when you get married, you ain't got no business. Listen to me very carefully. When you get married, you have no business hanging out with your single friends. They can't do nothing for you. If you marry, you go on to single women and they cackling and talking about your marriage and they can't even keep a marriage. How you going to get advice from women that can't be married, don't know how to be married, but they want to give you advice on your marriage. You need to stop talking about your marriage to people who are not saved. Oh, I'm talking to somebody up in here this morning. You better give me a good amen because, you know, I'll start digging. I'll dig right there. Going to all your little sisters and I just can't believe he did. And they say, well, you need to leave him. Maybe that ain't the thing to do. Hello? Hello? So you get around some good godly people. Not everybody in the church that's married know how to keep a good marriage either. See, you need to know what a good marriage is. Let me tell you something. I I have a great marriage. I I, I know I got a good marriage. She tells me we got a good marriage. Praise the Lord. See, we had a good marriage before we started this church, and we're going to have a good marriage if this church closes up. Let me tell you why. Our marriage is not based on church. I was in love with her before we started this. And I'll be in love with her if, this, if we have to close the doors down. Or if we grow to be 1,000, 2,000 members, I'll still be in love with her because I'm in love with her before I love you. Amen. Hello, somebody. Amen. You should want a pastor who's in love with his wife and not in love with the church. Amen. I ain't in love with you. I'm telling you that right now. I'm not, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. You can't tell me to do nothing. Nothing. Up in here. But Pastor, that's what I believe you need to do. Well, you might be on the cross of rejection. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, somebody come in the church talking about, I don't like the way you talk about your wife. They left the church well. I can't go to this church because I don't like the way you you just you just call your wife pretty and then you say she's sexy and then and, and I just can't I just can't handle that. <laughs> ah! <laughs> 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 Hamburger up in here. You doggone right she is, right? <laughs> right? But listen, you know what that is? Her husband never told her she was. So she wanted to redefine me to treat my wife like she was treated. Ain't going to happen. Guess what? You know what I told her? Well, I'll see you. 
I, like I said, I ain't in love with nobody in the church but her. But if you got a problem with me saying good things about my wife, then you should want to be in a church where the pastor even says anything about his wife. A lot of churches, you won't even see the woman of God because they've been fussing all night. And then she said, I ain't going to sit up in there and watch you preach because we've been fussing all night. Or she's sitting on the front row with her leg doing this. Y'all know, know what I'm talking about. She's mad. That ain't no anointing. She's mad. She ain't smiling. She ain't doing nothing. She's looking. She's waiting for that brother to stop preaching. Because we're going to talk about this thing tonight. I ain't done with this thing. You don't. I ain't done with this thing. Why are you laying on the hands? Lay hands on yourself up in here. Y'all know I'm talking the truth. Oh, no, no, no. On the right side. See, I say the man on the right side is the cross of repentance because you remember his words. He told the other man on the cross, he rebuked him and said, I can't believe you're talking about Jesus. We receive our just due. So in other words, we have been judged by the way we lived. This man has done nothing wrong. Then I know he repented because the next words out of his mouth, he said, Lord, see, you're not going to call Jesus Lord until you repent. You'll call him your savior. There are a lot of Christians got him as the savior, and they're <laughs> goat Christians too. <laughs> I, I, he's my he's my hey, my savior. But what about lordship? Because when he's your lord, that means you give your life over yeah. to him. Yeah. He said, "Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom." So obviously, this man who was a criminal knew Jesus had to be a king. Why? Because only kings have a kingdom. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In other words, I'm willing to repent of my sins, Jesus. If you remember me, I'll serve you. On his death cross. There's some people in this room right here. You know God has kept you. You know God has kept you. But it's, it's, it's that making that next step in him that you're afraid of because you got to give up control. Because you know when you got to give up control, he's going to take it. And he might have you to do something you don't want to do, like go to that person that you don't want to forgive. Oh, God, I don't want to do that. I just want to stay in hatred. I just want to hate him for a little while longer. That's your problem. The Bible says that hatred will spring up in you like a root of bitterness. And when you got a root, you might pull the top off. But when there's a root, it's dug in. See, when you got a root of bitterness, you can pull on the top all you want. You can come down here and shout ha, 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 all day long. And as soon as you get out in the car, you're still bitter. Why? Because you came up here to shout, but you didn't let the word get it. Come on, somebody. See, see, the only thing that's going to root the root out those roots is the root of the word. And so you got to let the word soak into you so that the word of God can root out that bitterness and place in that joy. 
See, that's the Holy Ghost. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. See, see, they don't even talk about the Holy Ghost no more. And some people are confused about what's the Holy Ghost and what's the Holy Spirit. They're the same thing. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, same thing. Why are we arguing about if that's different? I want to ask, do you have it? Because if you don't have it, it doesn't matter if it's called the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. It ain't yours anyway. See, we got to be full of the Holy Ghost. This is where God is going to separate the goats from the sheep. Now, you can be a goat all you want. But what I am giving you is the two crosses. What cross are you going to be on? You got to make a choice. That's the second cross. But let me tell you the third cross. The third cross is the cross of redemption. You can't get on that one. That one don't belong to you because it had to be a perfect sacrifice. Jesus Christ is the only one that can be on the cross of redemption. He's the only one that died for you. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only begotten son. Come on, somebody. You know the scripture that whosoever what? Shall not perish but have what? Yeah, because why? Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. He had no sin. He did no sin. He lived a sinless life. He was the only one to be a perfect sacrifice. And the Bible says is a long word called propitiation. That means he was the substitute because you and I were supposed to be on that cross. But Jesus took our place and said, no, don't worry about it, Daddy. He went to his father and said, don't worry about it, Father. I know they can't do anything about their sins, but I can because I'm your perfect son. And I am willing to go down to the earth as a baby. And I'm going to show them how to live like you live. Because when you look at Jesus, you're looking at God. They said, well, show us the Father. He said, I have been with you for this long time. And you don't know what the Father looks like. And he said, if you have seen me, I have shown you the Father. Because that which I see the Father doing, that's what I do. And when I go and lay hands hands, I lay hands for the Father. When I heal, I heal for the Father. When I bless, I bless for the Father because I'm living under an open heaven and I can look up into heaven and see my Father doing what I'm doing today. If you want to know how God does, you look in the face of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. The cross of redemption. Jesus paid the ransom for us and he paid it to his heavenly Father. The cross of redemption. But although there's three crosses on Golgotha's hill, there's a fourth cross when I was reading my Bible that I want to bring to your attention today. The fourth cross can be found in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. The fourth cross I call the cross of resurrection. The cross of resurrection. In Luke chapter 27, Verse, I'm sorry, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, the Bible says this. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his, come on somebody. You, 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 you got a cross too. Glory to God. See, it wasn't just three crosses. There was four crosses. Because the fourth cross is yours. The fourth cross is this. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. But the first part is, if any man comes after me. In other words, you got to have a pursuit after Jesus. This is not for those that draw back. 
This is for those who want to draw closer. We sung the songs uh, that I want to be closer to your heart. See, you can't be close to Jesus living in the outskirts of the camp. You can't be close to Jesus wanting to continue to sin, but you want to come to church like the church is going to wash you from your sins. We cannot wash you from your sins. But the Bible says the blood of Jesus can cleanse you and wash you. And before you even get to the church, you need to fall on your knees and say, Jesus, cleanse me. Because you might not be able to make it to the church. But you can get to Jesus. That cross, he said, deny yourself. See, this is the part I got to talk about just a second. Denial. See, that's the one thing we don't want to do is to deny our flesh. Let me tell you something. Flesh is something. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Man, this old flesh, man, I don't know about you, but I don't, man, Elaine don't walk around with a halo on, and we speaking in tongues all day, yeah. but we go to work just like you. We had to deal with the same old heathens. Come on, can I get real for a second? We had to deal with the same old unchurched people, and most of the time, it's the church folk that... <laughs> They can be um, um, interesting. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Amen. So listen, so listen, so listen. We don't do that. We, 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 we go, we, we're on a job just like you. We can get in our flesh just like you. Uh, yep, yep. Somebody can cut you off. And, and before you know it, boy, you. <laughs> Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about. And, and you got the bumper sticker on talking about what would Jesus do. He wouldn't do that. <laughs> You weren't pointing them to Jesus. You had another finger. <laughs> Elaine and I had a guy one morning we was going to work. And, and I'm rolling. I mean, I'm rolling because if you ever ride behind me or ride with me, you know I don't play. I got gas in the car, and I like to use it. <laughs> Hello, somebody. So if you're going to follow me, you better make sure you ain't in a little hoopty because you're going to have to keep up because I got to get there. Amen. So we're on our way to work. This dude pulls out in front of us and slams on brakes. I almost hit him. I mean, I came that close from hitting him, right? So instead of him speeding up, he kept hitting his brakes. So y'all know. Because my church is in the car. So I'm going to just be honest with you. Can I, can I get real? I said, boy, I'm getting ready to show this fellow the cross. <laughs> it ain't that one. <laughs> so, and I'm sitting there like, what is this dude's problem? All he had to do was speed up. But he kept hitting his brakes. Right? So, if I had been by myself, I probably would have done something differently. So I'm glad my wife was in the car. Now, the old John Lofton would have gone around him, put on my brakes, got out of the car with my friend that has about 11 crosses in it. And one cross is in the chamber. Now, the reason I can tell you that's what I would have done 
is because I have done that. <laughs> One night, I had a group of white guys, drunk, wanted to get a little frisky. And I say this because you need to understand the dynamics of it. I'm in Alabama. They did the same thing. They stopped in front of me. They, 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 they all got out of the cars. I went around them, got some distance, and I stopped. Now, I should have kept going, guys. I'm telling you that. I should have just kept going. But I wasn't saved. I'm trying to tell you about the resurrection power of Jesus. I was not saved. I got out of my car with my friend, same friend, same 11 crosses. And I asked those young men, I said, which one of you want to die tonight? I took my gun off safety, and I started walking towards them. They jumped in the car so fast. <laughs> I got in the car, and I thought, what if I had to pull the trigger? See, God was with me when I was a fool. Because I would have been in prison that night. So I understand about the resurrection power of Jesus. I understand that he protects fools. And the reason I know I'm good and saved is because I went on about my business that morning. So he started flicking his lights, doing all that crazy stuff. I just ignored him. So when he pulled alongside of us, he shot us a bird. He's all kinds of language. Yeah, and calling us all kinds of stuff. And I thought to myself, if I had got out of my car, I probably would have beat him to a pulp. Why? Because he don't know me. <laughs> Amen? So some of these people, they're bad and bold in a car. They're bad and bold on social media. But if you come up in my face, I want to know how bad and bold you are in my face. Then let's just see if we can bring that little hype down a tad. Amen? Because although I am saved, make no mistakes, I'm nobody's punk. You with me, bro? Make no mistake about it. We got real men up in this church. We got some fighters up in here. I ain't lying. I like having some Peters in the house. Peter was cutting off ears and cussing folks out. All right. Let's get back in the anointing now. <laughs> Everybody can't be a bunch of Johns laying his head on Jesus' breast. You're going to need some Peters up in the house. All right, let's get back to the cross of resurrection. Y'all ready? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. That cross. I thank the Lord for that fourth cross. Why? Because I have to deny my flesh from getting angry. I have to deny my flesh from eating all those ribs. Oh, boy, here we go. Don't, don't, Pastor. Hold on, Pastor. Uh, oh, see, I heard it. Did y'all hear, y'all heard that little rumbling? Y'all heard that? Oh, Lord, have me. Let me get, let me go close service up because I heard that. Y'all hear that? I said, boy, when you start talking about food, people go, mm. Jesus, take the wheel, Lord. Take the wheel. I love me some poke chops. Yeah, yeah, I like pork chops too, but listen, sometimes you got to move that stuff back, bring in some water, some vegetables that you're going to eat on for 10 days, 
Amen. Take out that, all of those candy and those sweets and cakes and cookies. Come on. I'm, I'm talking to somebody. See, 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 what I'm talking about right now is denying your flesh. This is the same thing. So if we can talk about denying your flesh spiritually, we're talking about sexual immorality and all that other stuff. But we can talk about denying your flesh physically. Right? Because sex is not just spiritual. Sex is spirit, it's, uh, physical. Right? <laughs> Better be. So it's... So, yeah, I'm sorry. Did I say that? I said that out loud. Dang. My filter broke. I'm sorry. I got to put my filter on. So y'all know what I'm saying? It, 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 the struggle is real. So... So you can deny those pork chops and ribs and beef and steaks and all of that stuff and push that back. And, and what? Get along with God for a little while. I'm not saying do a 40-day fast. You'd be crazy if you tried that and you ain't never done it before. No, but you can do maybe a day or two. Amen? Just to consecrate your vessel and just be prepared for the Lord. Deny your flesh. Take up your cross. But listen, let me just help somebody about taking up your cross. Let me tell you what it is not. Just because you're in a bad relationship, that ain't no cross. There ain't no cross. There ain't no cross. You made that decision. That's right. That's right. There ain't no cross. There ain't no cross. Let me tell you why there ain't no cross. If you look at historically, historically, the Romans made you carry a cross because they wanted to kill you. They were going to crucify you, and they wanted to humiliate you by carrying that cross all the way to Calvary. They want you to be ridiculed while you carry the cross. That cross doesn't mean just because you're in a bad relationship or, or just because, man, these people on this job hate me. That is not a cross. They might hate you, but they ain't killing you. You're not dying as a result of it. The cross was where people died. You didn't leave the cross alive. There was only one man that left the cross alive, but he had to die first. Denying your flesh, taking up your cross means denying your life. It's the self-life, the selfishness of your life. Giving your body, your flesh, your appetite, everything that it wants. Because the more you, this body is very intuitive. The more you give this body, the more this body is going to desire. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot too much. This is a physical trainer right here. She will probably tell you that when she talks to people, she wants to know what their nutritional value is and what they're eating and how they're eating. Am I, am I right? Right. Because the, uh, the, the um, what I'm trying to say here, the plan, I guess, the plan that she will fix for them or make for them or design for them encompasses eating right. Otherwise, all of the exercises is really, is really not going to do the job. Am I, am I on point here? Okay. Right. So, so she's going to tell you, if you think that you're going to drop a few pounds, then you may have to change what you eat. So if you think that you can get rid of something off of your body, then you're going to have to do something differently in your body. As it is in the natural, so it is spiritually. If you want to get something off of your body, then you might have to put something different in your... Come on, somebody. So if, if, if you're not putting enough of the word 
in your body, then how are you going to get rid of some of that stuff off of? Am I talking to somebody up in here this morning? It means if you want something you've never done, sometimes you've got to do something you've never done before. So you got to do something differently. You can't keep eating the same stuff and then you, you, you just on the bike. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. I've been on this bike for three months, five days, and 22 hours. And I ain't left. I, and then you go and you get that big bucket of ice cream and you complain. Like, I can't believe I can't lost it. I had lost number four. I love Baskin Robbins. <laughs> Give me some of them donuts. Krispy Kreme. Today, I offer you the fourth cross. The cross of resurrection says, God, I give you my whole life. I give you my appetite and all that I am. I deny my flesh and I give you my life. God, I got to get some stuff off of my life. Therefore, I got to put the right stuff in my life. Some of that stuff that you need to get rid of might be some people in your life. But you're going to have to be full of the Holy Ghost and his word so that you can be strong enough to make a decision like that. Because it is not easy to go to somebody that's in your life and been there for a long time. They're like leeches. And you just can't get them off of your life without being armed and dangerous. And they're going to they're going to call you everything but a child of God. But you say at this moment in my life, I'm doing what's right for me. Hello, somebody. Come on and give him a praise in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.